Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up Inspiring Health Stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I'm the founder and chief storyteller of TV Media Group for the purpose of this podcast. I am your health and happiness matchmaker. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on YouTube, turn on those notifications, and connect with me on LinkedIn because I'd love to stay connected with you. Now, today you are going to meet someone truly unique, truly special. Her name is Jen Bricker Bauer. She was born without legs and she was left for adoption, left at the hospital by her birth parents. Now, she went on to become an incredible athlete, a tumbler. Now she's an aerialist and a speaker and a New York Times bestselling author whose mantra is everything is possible. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want. It is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today I'm so excited to meet virtually for the first time and welcome to the show, Jen Bricker Bauer. Um, I mean, so many titles and ways that I could describe you. So I'll save that for you. But I know you're a New York Times bestselling author. Um, you are a performer. You're telling me about all the speaking you're doing. So tell us a little bit more for those who don't know you, aren't familiar with you, just who you are and what you do. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I guess the, the shortened Instagram version will be author, aerialist, speaker. Ooh, I <laughs> but, like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I've been doing all of that for the last, uh, well, basically my whole adult life. Started out with performing, doing acrobat and aerial performing, then speaking came in, then my book came in, and then now I just go, um, have been going all around the globe um, plane hopping and train hopping and all that for about 15 years, uh, doing one of those three or all of them. And I was born without legs and put up for adoption, left in the hospital and adopted by a uh, family in the middle of nowhere in Southern Illinois, which is actually where I am right now. <laughs> and I was just raised like... I want to say I was raised normal, but I guess a better explanation would be me not having legs was never some big thing in my life for my family, for my teachers, for my friends. It was a part of me. It was part of who I am, uh, part of who I was, and but never some like tragic thing. It was just what it was, and that was it. So good childhood, good community, great community. And my parents just kind of, yeah, they let me do the things that I was interested in doing. There was encouragement and not discouragement, which is everything, you know, mm. this spoke life into me and people around the community did as well. So, mm. yeah. So going back to your, your first point, you were born without legs and left, you said left in the hospital. Yes. At what point did you find out that story? That I was adopted? Yeah. And and that I guess more specifically that you were left at the hospital. I guess it was your parents to tell you? 
Yeah, my parents, I always knew. Um, okay. My parents told me from as long as I can remember, mm-hmm. which I think was um, actually very important for mm-hmm. the rest of my life because it was then never some big uh, thing, you know? I didn't have a big chip on my shoulder. I kind of, they were very honest, very open about everything. My biological family was from Romania. Um, I knew that. I knew that. Um, you know, they just said, well, they probably did give you away because you didn't have legs, you know, and they were raised in a different country and they viewed people like you very, very differently. And you just have to kind of understand that it's just different, you know, Mm. but my parents said, you know, we prayed for you. You were our answered prayer. You were supposed to be with us. And, and it just, you know, you don't have to be mad at them or hate them because you were supposed to be with us. And so they said it very, just kind of matter of fact, how it was. And And that was enough for me. You know, I was like, oh, okay," you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like that. That was important that they did that. um, Yes. And handled it in that way. And also, like you mentioned, continued to further, like, encourage you, like you said, breathe life into you, encourage you to pursue your dreams. So talk about those dreams, because I know reading in your bio that as a kid, you were obsessed with gymnastics, which I'm guessing ultimately led you and inspired you to doing what you are doing now. So tell me about those passions and really the journey of what happened in your your life from kind of childhood through your career. Yeah, I love sports. I think I was just born an athlete. So naturally, I was always very strong, very good. I did softball, basketball, uh, volleyball, power tumbling. Um, All of these sports were with able-bodied athletes. That was just normal for me. I didn't even know to say that I did it with you know, regular, like able-bodied, I didn't even know that term, you know, like it just, um, was, I never considered another way. And because I just saw myself like everybody else. So in gymnastics, you have four events and in power tumbling, it's the tumbling part, like the floor. And instead of it being a square, it's a uh, long runway. And so then you do backhand springs and flips and twists and things like that. And so that's what I competed in for four and a half, for four years. And I went to, I won state championship one year in my division and then went to junior Olympics, which is, you know, the whole United States. So that was a really big deal. And I was the first person like myself without legs to ever compete in power tumbling. And so I didn't think it was that big of a deal at the time because I was younger, but that's when all of the TV and media started happening in my life, actually. People don't realize that because it was so long ago, but actually that's when it all started. So started as local and then re- regional and then national and then international. I loved all of the sports and it just power tumbling was my favorite. And that definitely um, was always in me. And even though like I basically all through high school, I just stopped all my sports and got a little out of shape. And then when I moved to, uh, I moved from Illinois to Orlando, Florida to, um, do an internship at Disney World and I never moved back so I just stayed and that's where I met um, my performing partner who, who ended up to be my performing partner and he started teaching me aerial silks and refining my technique on trampoline and all this stuff and so then we ended up creating an act two acts together a silk act and a trampoline act and started performing together and then that the next year, it happened all very, very fast. Uh, we were on tour with Britney Spears, featured acts, Madison Square Garden, Staples Center, 20,000 people, 
40 some shows, North America, Australia. And so it was just. And I went to that I tour, was, by the way. Oh, you did? Oh, I, I'm a huge Britney Spears fan. Oh, <laughs> so I've gotten okay. onto pretty much all of her tours. Um, so, yes, I went to that tour. So, this is a, this is a fangirl moment for me. But Oh, my um, gosh, that's so cool. How did that opportunity come up? We just met up with the guys who ran the whole tour and made the decisions, showed them our video of our act, and that was it. I mean, it was like very unorthodox. Um, it was like a miracle that I got on the tour. And I got on, I was supposed to be on for the European leg, and then a bunch of stuff happened with Britney, and actually that's when the conservatorship started that we now, that just she just right. got freed from. So right. that's when it just started and it prolonged ticket sales and they lost money. And so they had to let go of acts. So they certainly weren't hiring any acts. And so the fact that I got on that next leg for North America and Australia was really honestly like a miracle. I mean, it was mm. really just meant to be. It, yeah. it really was. Yeah. Awesome. So, so this is, you, you said that's when things really started to move very fast. And I guess your performing career kind of exploded? Yes. Um, up until that point, nobody really wanted to hire me. They were afraid um, because, again, so here we are again. It's kind of the same formula. Um, no one like me had ever done this. We looked, we searched everywhere. We were like, somebody has had, without legs, has had to have done this, you know? Meaning an no, aerial uh, yeah. routine. Okay. In the entertainment Entry. industry, um, either acrobatic or aerial, any Got of them. It. And we could not find anybody, anything, nothing. So nobody had seen someone like me. It was very doing this. Mm -hmm. So it was very like, um, they didn't know what to do with it, you know, and I get that. And so it was so new and it was so hard to believe. People thought that when they saw a video of me doing the trampoline and flipping and all that, they thought it was CGI. Like they just couldn't, it was really hard for people to understand and then know what to do. Like where do we put her? What do we do with it? Like, you know what I mean? Right. So nobody wanted to hire me because they were afraid of like how an audience would react. And they just, it was so new and such a thing. They just didn't know what to do with it. And so, um, when I got on tour with Brittany as a featured act, this just blew the doors wide open. It changed everything. And then people all over the world wanted me to perform. And so mm. that really, um, that really changed things for me, for my career. Definitely. Were you prepared in some sense, considering that you had kind of had that media attention as you were, you know, kind of growing up and competing and being the first um, without legs to do the, the tumbling routines? Yeah, I think some of it was just my personality and how I was raised and I was just chatty and social. And, and then the other part is that I had done it so much already as a kid. And so I kind of learned all those things. I didn't even realize I was learning that. It just learn by doing, I guess. And so by the time I was an adult, yeah, a lot of it was just, I was kind of already, it was kind of already my thing, you know? Where do you think your talent and this, you know, what seems to be a, a natural ability you have um, at this, where do you think that comes from? Well, I think it was definitely given to me. I think um, I was born that way, that God just gave me that, you know, whether through speaking, performing, competing through the book, 
through uh, interviews, through whatever, through all of these, through all the travels I've done, all that stuff, it reaches people um, in such different ways, which is so awesome. Mm -hmm. And that's something I'm really grateful for. And that's knowing that I, um, that there's so much purpose and not having legs and that that's how it was designed. And I've seen that, like I've just, I've been living that. That's what keeps the longevity going. That's what keeps the sustainability that it's not just about me. Seeing people just being moved and um, writing me messages, like very profound, very, very serious things sometimes yeah. or just beautiful things. And it's so obvious that it's just so much bigger than me. And, and that's exactly what keeps it going for me. Hmm. I guess before you had that, let's say, what was your inspiration or who was your inspiration? Because I'm hearing your story and you saying like looking for others who came before you and you, you said you couldn't find a performer or a tumbler who had done this before mm-hmm. and that surprised you. But was so was there anyone that you looked up to or admired or you drew inspiration from as you were you know, growing up or going along on this journey? Well, I would say before all that started, um, when I was really young, I watched gymnastics on TV and um, my fate, like I was just drawn to one gymnast, Dominique Mochianu, and I was drawn to her. It kind of, so the whole, like the very first beginner tumbling class I took was about the same time as seeing her on TV for the first time. She looked like me and love doing the same thing I loved. And so as a kid, that's just, that's enough. You know, that's right. enough to really draw you to somebody. And I knew that she was on Team USA, but I knew that her biological, uh, her pilot, her parents were from Romania. And I knew that my biological family was from Romania. So there was like this, you know, that was really cool for me as a kid, mm-hmm. like really that's, cool. That's what you were able to relate to. Exactly. Yes. And then uh, right before I turned 16, my friend, who was also adopted, actually, had found out, I don't know how or why, but she had just found out what her biological last name would have been. And now up until that point, I never had like, I didn't have a big desire or a I didn't feel a big hole necessarily um, about needing to know about my biological family because mm-hmm. my parents had, like I said, told me so much that it was it was as if I was satisfied, like I knew enough. But when she found out what her biological last name was, just something kind of went off in me like, hmm, well, I wonder what my biological last name would have been. And it was, I mean, very odd because it did not match anything else. And even more odd that I would go home and ask my mom if she knew something that she hadn't told me about my biological family, because that's not in alignment with who my parents are and how they've acted. They didn't keep any secrets. They were the complete opposite, telling me everything up front. And so then she said that she actually knew something. And I was like, what? I didn't even believe it. Like, you know, you don't know something. I mean, what could you know, you know? And, um, that's when she told me my biological last name would have been Mochianu. And I knew, of course, that's not a common name here. So I knew what that meant. And then that's when I found out that Dominique was my sister, like biological, full-blooded, you know, so crazy. 
Like, I just got chills. Okay, so you, you hear this, and then what happens? Like, what goes through your mind? Yeah. Well, I want to, I, I go on, on her website to kind of do some investigating or, you know, just like seeing what's up. And then I see that I have another sister, Christina, who's younger than me and looks exactly like me. I mean, almost like, based like twin level looks like me. And because we're only a year and 10 months apart. So we're also very close in age and look like twins, basically. And so then I, of course, wanted to meet them and went on a four year journey with a lot of failed attempts. And eventually at the very end in December of 2007, I, um, through a lot of different things, got in contact with Dominique, wrote her a letter and put pictures in it, put ado the adoption, the legal adoption papers, copies of them and all of that. Um, and got a response after two weeks of waiting, which felt like forever. And then that next month we had our first phone conversation and Christina and I, my younger sister had been texting and like, we had all these similarities. It was like, it was really as if it were twins being reunited and we had all these things in common, you know, we couldn't believe it. And then we all three met uh, in May of 2008 for the first time. And so that was um, like on one hand, like the buildup was the most intense part. At first, like, is this really happening? But then immediately it was like in my spirit, it was just kind of like, yeah, like we're sisters, obviously. I mean, we look so much alike, you know? So there was this like undeniable similarities that you're like, yeah, I mean, you're, we're sisters, but then, you know, you're raised, we're raised completely different. And yet through the DNA, unbelievable similarities. Wow. Mm -hmm. Was it a surreal experience being that you had kind of looked up to Dominique as a gymnast and then realizing that she's your sister now interacting in that kind of way? Like, I'm sure, I don't know. Yeah. So on one hand, it was like surreal. And on the other hand, it was somehow normal. Like, I can't say normal, but almost like, so it was these two extreme things happening in your brain. That's why I'm like, I think I just glitched for a minute. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's a lot to comprehend in, in your, in your mind, you know? It's probably cool to see how just the talents that, you know, at least you and Dominique, I don't know if Christina as well had, are just like so ingrained in your DNA as far as what you excelled at in your careers. Yeah, it's pretty mind blowing. I always loved hearing about those stories, you know, when you hear about twins that were separated at birth and they meet and then they have like led the same lives and all that. And so it was, I always loved, you know, hearing and, and I was very fascinated. But then to have that happen to you in real life is, um, so interesting it's we were just like i can't believe this is happening i can't believe how much we look alike i can't believe that you like this and that you like that and just there were just these things you know um that it was so fascinating to experience that do you still keep in touch yeah yeah we all live in different states you know right so yeah i mean it was usually before before everything shut down i was traveling usually on a plane every week or every other week going somewhere 
in or out of the country. So it was just easier. And I didn't have, you know, we, well, we don't have kids yet, but I wasn't married and they both have kids and are married. So it just made sense for me. Like, oh, if I'm near Texas or if I'm near Ohio or whatever, I'll just bounce over and see you guys, you know? And yeah, just try to stay in touch. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that story. Um, tell me where are things in your career now? Like you said, you've been doing a lot more speaking now. Kind of fast forward, I guess, from the time that you were, um, you know, kind of had that breakout year, I guess, when you went on on tour with Britney Spears and mm -hmm. all that's really evolved and, and how you see yourself in your career now. Yeah. So from the Britney tour, it was just all over the world, all over just 90 miles an hour. Um, eventually, my old performing partner and I separated and I started doing solo performing and speaking more. That's when... Um, speaking really started coming in a lot so and then the performance i created a solo and that then took me to even more places all over the world to um over 23 countries so far all over in different pockets so many amazing experiences and then my book came out my book's in 11 languages which has been such an amazing thing to see it's how i met my husband i was in austria on a speaking tour he bought my book and then <laughs> That's a whole story, but we don't have time, but it's awesome. And then we, uh, everything happened fast, got married, uh, and started speaking, got married in 2019. And immediately we're traveling all over the world, speaking together. And we created an act as well together. And right up until the very day that everything shut down in March, and we were just constantly busy. And then now everything started p picking up last year around August. Um, more consistently picking up again with events and travel. And then um, we created a brand new act. He's a professional trombonist and uh, opera singer. And I have been teaching him aerial. So we combined like all of our talents and made a, a new piece, which we performed in DC in November. And then, um, so everything kind of got shifted around and canceled with the whole run of the shows. And then we came to Illinois to, cause our, our place was rented out in LA already. So we're like, okay, what are we going to do? Well, we came here to the Midwest and then like a couple phone calls later, we're like all these doors open for us to speak all around Illinois, Indiana, Michigan. And we're booked every week just now into mid of March. And we're kind of blocking out a week or two to drive back to LA, get our stuff, move our stuff out of our apartment, U-Haul it back, <laughs> probably here to the Midwest and buy a home maybe here just for like to stay here for a couple years, uh, start having a family. That's kind of what we want to do now. Um, and But still traveling, speaking, and then still performing as well with this company. Um, Omnium that it's the Omnium Circus show brand new show and so I think that we're just going to be busy and we still plan on doing everything that we're doing now once we have kids we kind of knew that from the beginning we knew that that was like our calling that we're just going to be traveling a lot and we'll have like a landing pad a home to come and refresh but then we'll always be back on the road that's just kind of it's just clear that that's what we're supposed to do <laughs> You say everything with such like ease, with such peace, like 
despite all these, you know, challenges that have come your way or challenges that some would see, you know, that you faced from day one to having this career. And for you, it just feels like you've known your purpose from the beginning and nothing feels like the way you're explaining it to me as though it was an obstacle. Um, I don't know. Do you how do you see that from your perspective? Um, Because you mentioned that some people like it used to be weird when people would say that you inspire them. (laughs) So how do you feel that you've been able to just so easily kind of lean into your purpose and and who you are and and create so many opportunities for yourself? Well, I mean, everybody has struggles along the way. You know, we all do. That's our common uh, equalizer, you know. Um, I've always had a very strong sense of purpose. I will say that. That's been something that I feel so, like, blessed to have because – that's something I need. Like for me, I really, um, I told my parents when I was 10 years old and this seems so bizarre and like intense, but I just said, God has a huge purpose for my life and it's going to change the world. And I knew it. Like I said it like that. And I didn't know what, I didn't know how, I didn't know when, I didn't know any of that, but I did know that. And that's not normal. I don't think, you know? Um, but as I've gotten older, that's what I mean. I've seen that. So I, I saw how there was purpose through something that everyone thinks is such a, like the worst thing about my life, being born without legs or, you know, put up for adoption, those things. But those, those were the very things like they had to happen that way. And, and that's the thing is that they were meant to be that way. And through those very things is what I'm able to, um, through that, that like, how I'm being used through my life to share with other people, to give them hope, to um, hopefully inspire or lift their spirits or just share with them what I've um, experienced. And so that is really being able to live that purpose and see that, that fills me like to an overflow. You know, so when everything shut down, that was really hard, really hard on me, like complete because I felt that I wasn't being used. And I'm like, I have so much to give and so much to offer people. And I know I'm supposed to use it. And so that was very, very hard for me when everything was shut down. And um, I just wanted to be, you know, used. And it was the first time in my life that that had ever happened. And so that was a really big whoa kind of a thing and so i'm so thankful right now to be um busy and being used not just busy for being busy but like to be used with purpose it's such a powerful message and such a it like you said it's it is inspiring um so thanks for sharing that um i also want to ask you about the book um it's a new york times bestseller so tell (laughs) us the name of it and where people can find it what it's about Yeah, um, it's called Everything is Possible, and it's really, that's kind of how would I believe, you know, the rest of, it's it's from a verse, it's from uh, Everything is Possible, and then the rest of it is to the one who believes. And so I believe that the believe is the key to the whole sentence, you know, and so um, that just, it's been such a cool journey, like 
going through the book writing process, working with publishing company, working with a writer. It's a whole team of people, you know, it's not like I, I am so not that person to be doing that on my own, not even close. <laughs> and, and then seeing it being trans, honestly, the coolest part for me is that it's been translated in 11 languages. That's the most really interesting, cool. cool thing for me um, to see it be able to reach people in languages I don't speak. You know, mm. that's just, yeah. And it's how I met my husband. So he bought it in German. That's his first language. And um, and that's like a whole thing, you know. And so it's it's just opened so many, again, more possibilities, more opportunities. Um, it's something that I can sign and people can have to take home after a speech or a performance. So it's just kind of, it's just another thing, you know. And, and I think my husband and I will write a book together in the future. Um, probably in the near future, I think that will will come in the next year or two or two to three years, maybe um, something like that. And um, so I think that'll be really cool. Another totally different um, chapter in life. And um, I think that'll be really nice. I love that. Um, I always like to kind of end on like a tip, an actionable tip that the audience can implement in the, in their lives. Like health or happiness related, but I feel like what might be applicable to you and that you can maybe help us or shed some light on is if someone doesn't feel like everything is possible, like maybe their own thoughts or their beliefs are getting in the way of what they want to achieve. Is there anything that you would suggest or anything maybe that you've even utilized in your own life when maybe you felt like, um, you know, that there was something that you weren't able to achieve that you wanted to or a practice even that you implement in your life that um you know helps you achieve all of your dreams a lot of people think that they're not significant or their lives don't matter so much or they don't make so much of an impact or they don't have so many followers or they don't have a book and on and on right so first i would say you're born for a reason you're not a mistake you're not an accident you're here and you have purpose and that's for everybody. And I would also say and love to encourage people that everybody has gifts and talents and abilities that they offer the world. And people don't even think that they have that. But I, I would love to encourage you to say that you do have that. You have something to offer the world with extreme value. And that value is equal to anybody else's that you think has the impact, the followers, the whatever. It's just different. Hmm. It's just different. And thank God it's different because that's would be boring, right? So right. <laughs> it's, um, I would love to encourage people with that and like, just to know that you have incredible value, that nobody is more important than you, nobody's gifts are more important than yours. And that I believe everybody, everybody is made and, and created to inspire and motivate. I know a lot of people think that it's just for certain people who are <laughs> inspiring or whatever, but I really believe that everybody has that opportunity equally. It's just the believing part and the action part and the accepting that. Like, and, and that's something that we all have to do on our own. So nobody can do that for us. So that's, that's a, that can be a very difficult thing to do. I just reach people differently because I don't have legs and was adopted. And somebody else who has a totally different background, a different story, you're going to reach people differently than I would and vice versa. And so, and that's a good thing. It's practically and creatively good. You know, just um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's what I would really love to encourage people with on a practical level. And then just on like a in your spirit kind of level is just to know that 
all of those things are true and that it's for all of us, you know? Absolutely. Such a great thing to leave people with. And lastly, how can people find you, connect with you, social media, website, all the things? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I have a growing YouTube channel, actually. I just hit 200,000, which is, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, and I've not put as much effort in as like one would think. So the fact that that has happened has been quite extraordinary. Um, so I had this push up video that like went super viral and has like 41 million views. So that's kind of oh, what happened. Yeah. And, um, which is Just driving so the funny. traffic. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, you can find it Jen Bricker or Jen Bricker Bauer on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and jenbricker.com. I know websites are almost like, you know, people don't go to websites every day you go to your social media every day so you know but it still has its point i get it, it still has its place but the day-to-day -day <laughs> is going to be the, the youtube right, the out. insta the facebook yeah so got it i'll make sure to link yeah. to all that below in the show notes jen this has cool. been really really great i appreciate you sharing your story inspiring us and giving us great tips to take with us into our day-to-day -day. <laughs> awesome thank you so much i appreciate it Make sure you go ahead and pick up Jen's book. Go ahead and find more about her online on her social media. She's got incredible content and inspiring story. All of that, again, is below in the show notes. And also make sure you connect with me if you aren't already. I'm all the places, but I'd really love to see you on LinkedIn and subscribe on YouTube because we come back each and every week with new episodes and I would hate for you to miss out. I'd also love for you to leave me a review. Let me know what you think, what you want to hear more of, and I'll make sure to give it to you. So until I see you back next week, because I know I'll see you then, stay happy, stay healthy.